Hey true crime fans, welcome back to Murder on the Map. I'm your host Taylor, and each week on my show, I take you through an underreported, bizarre, or cold case in each U.S. state one by one. Since Thanksgiving is coming up, I put together today's episode full of grim, bizarre, and all true crimes that took place across the states on Thanksgiving Day. We'll get into the story right after the break. The holiday season kicks off this Thursday, when uncles and cousins and college student children would typically travel across the country and gather around the tables where they'll offer their thanks for the thing that they appreciate most, their love for one another. That's one version anyway. For some though, the holidays can be considerably more grim, like for the people who are mentioned in this podcast. Although it's widely believed that rates of domestic violence spike during the holidays, The available research shows that assumption to be limited and inconclusive. However, it may be when gruesome crimes do occur during the holidays, they get more widespread media coverage since they're so out of the norm from what we'd expect during such celebratory times. Sociologist Richard Gels, an expert on family violence who has written over 20 books on the subject, says that there are three primary reasons for holiday violence. The first, Gels says, is economic stress, which is more apparent to a struggling family during the holiday season, what they can't afford for a Thanksgiving dinner, for Christmas dinner, or for gifts. Add in the forced intimacy of a small-town family holiday, with the stores and restaurants all closed and fraught relatives feeling an obligation to be together all day, and the stress can compound. The third reason, Gels argues, is the happiness gap. He says that all the TV advertisements and all the TV specials about how loving and wonderful families are and how stress-relieving hanging out with your family can be. And of course, that is a bit of a myth. Case number one, The Guy Family Thanksgiving, Knoxville, Tennessee, 2016. It started amicably. 28-year-old Baton Rouge resident Joel Michael Guy Jr. traveled from Baton Rouge to back home in Knoxville, Tennessee, where he reunited with his three sisters and their parents over turkey and stuffing. At the end of the evening, the three daughters, who all lived in Tennessee, returned to their homes and Guy Jr. was left alone with his parents, Joel Guy Sr., 61, and Lisa Guy, 55. That's when the violence erupted. At some point between Thursday night and Monday afternoon, the Knox County Sheriff's Department claimed that Guy Jr. stabbed and dismembered his parents, then attempted to dissolve their bodies in a mix of drain cleaner, sewer cleaner, hydrogen peroxide, and bleach. Guy Jr. was an undergraduate and was still dependent on his parents for financial support. Family members told authorities that his parents had intended to tell them of their plans to scale back support over the Thanksgiving weekend. As of March 2017, Guy Jr. was charged with two counts of first-degree murder, two counts of abusing a corpse, and two counts of felony murder. 
He has no history of mental illness and no prior criminal record. Gell says that the shame around the money likely played a larger role in the killing than the money itself. The conversation had a lot more than, we're not paying your phone bill, Gells says. I suspect that there was a shaming component to it and that triggered his behavior. If you dig into the psychology of family violence, the more common underlying psychological factor is shame. As of the original publication of the article that I found doing research for this podcast, Guy Jr. remains in jail in lieu of a $2 million bond. His next court date was set to be November 30th, 2017. And an update, as of November 2018, Guy Jr. was still in jail, and his next court date was set to be on December 3rd, 2018. That was the last update that I could find. Case number two, Colorado father kills son over unfinished chores. The annoyance Elias Clay Oliver, 76, felt towards his son, Keith Oliver, 49, over the younger man's refusal to help out around the house escalated to a homicidal rage on Thanksgiving Day, 2009. The father and son had reportedly been arguing for hours prior to Marjorie Oliver, 75, Elias's wife and Keith's mother, asking her son to leave. Keith refused. His father went upstairs, retrieved a revolver, and shot Keith to death. Case number three, Muslim taxi driver shot in Thanksgiving Day hate crime. At around 1 a.m. on Thanksgiving Day 2015, an unidentified 38-year-old Muslim cab driver picked up a fare outside of Rivers Casino in Pittsburgh. The customer asked where the driver was from, to which the driver said, I'm from Morocco, but I'm an American guy. The passenger reportedly talked at length about ISIS, prompting the driver to say, Actually, I'm against ISIS. I don't like them. The passenger allegedly then mocked Islam for the duration of the ride. After arriving at his destination, the passenger passenger went into a residence and returned with a shotgun. The driver sped away, but the passenger fired and hit him in the upper back. The driver survived his serious wounds and said, In our religion, Islam, we forgive, even in such conditions. I could forgive this, but I still want my rights. Case number four, Thanksgiving guests threaten with hatchet over a trivial pursuit question. Sometimes a game of trivial pursuit can be described as cutthroat, but on Thanksgiving day, 2013, one such match almost literally lived up to the term. Police in Port Matilda, Pennsylvania responded to a dispute at a Thanksgiving celebration between trivial pursuit players in which one contestant grew so heated that he actually threatened another with a hatchet. Alas, the hatchet actually turned out to be a piece of drug paraphernalia, and its wielder got arrested. Case number five, the Murhai family Thanksgiving, Jupiter, Florida, 2009. After dinner, they played Christmas songs around an old upright piano. Then came the carnage. I've been waiting 20 years to do this, 35-year-old Paul Murhai was heard muttering as he gunned down four and injured two others at his cousin's family home in Jupiter, Florida. Among the dead, his 76-year-old aunt, Raymond Joseph, his 33-year-old twin sisters, Carla and Lisa, who was pregnant, and six-year-old Michaela Sitton, the daughter of his cousin, who was shot three times from her bed. 
Paul's presence at the dinner had been a surprise. He'd been estranged from his family for years, and at one point, one of his sisters put a restraining order against him. But after purchasing more than $2,000 worth of guns and ammunitions in the week before the holiday, he called his parents and asked to come to Thanksgiving. I hope he doesn't come and kill us all tonight, his mother had told his sister Lisa as they were preparing for dinner. It came to my mind, replied the daughter, but don't say that to dad. In 2011, Paul Murhai pleaded guilty to all the murders and received a sentence of seven life terms. He avoided the death penalty with his plea deal. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Murder on the Map. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to never miss an episode and rate us on Apple Podcasts to help more people discover the show. You can also become a sponsor of the show. I'll put a link for that in the show notes. 100% of the profits from the show go to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash murder on the map. And you can follow me on Instagram at Taylor B Talks. If you have a case you'd like for me to cover from your state, please email me at taylor at murderonthemap.com. Our theme music was composed by Tim Beak. Find more of his stuff at timbeak.com. Murder on the Map is a Radio Free Roscoe production. I'll be back next week with an all-new episode. Have fun out there and be careful, and happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>